This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, both of whom are more than knee deep, neck deep, eyeball deep, up to their eyeballs in re-ranks. I know many of you listening are eagerly awaiting the re-ranking of our top 100 prospects list and our top team top 30 prospect list. Those, you'll be glad to know, are coming your way very soon and we'll talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about some potential impact call-ups that each team could make. Uh, there's a story up on MLB.com slash pipeline right now looking at one potential impact call up per team. We'll talk about a few of those. Uh, we will look at the newest additions to the top 100 prospects list. Um, we're going to talk about some guys who could leap into that top 100 prospects list when we re-rank, and we'll wrap up, as we always do, with a question or maybe two in the mailbag. All right, guys. Uh, I know you've been like I said, very busy with uh, re-rankings. We want to get to that shortly. But before we do, let's talk about something that you've already done that's already out there, uh, but will hopefully continue to uh, uh, see uh, occur over the next few weeks, uh, impact call-ups. So things are not like they used to be. We don't get the massive influx of prospects at the uh, with September call-ups, but explain the situation now. And I'm also curious how you guys like the current situation compared to what it used to be. Well, you're, you're putting us on the spot because I know I don't know the rule off the top of my head. What is it? A 20, well, the rule is, is it's, it's 28. Right. Okay. Well, I guess I did off the top of my head. Yeah, but, um, I, 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 I like this rule better because I think the expansion to as many as 40 players, which is too gimmicky. I, I, I don't like playing games, especially important games for some teams, under different rules from the rest of the season. And it, it just – there's already too many pitching changes. And, like, we, we don't need – we don't need 18, you know, pitching changes in one game. So I, I don't have a problem with it. And, and I don't mind the corollary that actually affects us more directly with our prospect rankings that – that it used to be because the rosters were expanded. September service time did not count towards rookie status, which is what we use to determine prospect status. But now that the rosters are not just being expanded wildly, um, the September service time days do count. And so we will have prospect graduations throughout the month of September, which we never had in the past, you know, unless it was on at-bats or innings. I, I, I'm fine with the, with, with the change with the, with the roster rules. I, I actually like the, the the larger rosters more. I mean, I, I don't. I, I would. I guess we'd have to go and look to see if there were like that many more pitching changes because of rosters expansion. That you know, I I don't. I don't really know. Uh, but I liked uh, you know the the ability to give 
you know, prospects an opportunity to show what they can do, whether it's, you know, uh, pinch running for, you know, or defensive replacement for a team that's competing or, or giving teams that are out of contention the chance to give a longer look to, you know, to a player that they think is going to be in their plans next year. Um, you know, I, I, I always liked it, you know, these, these players that we write about and we rank and things like that. And especially if they're getting called up for the first time. Um, so I wish, I wish there was a few more than just the, you know, the couple of added players, uh, maybe 40 was too much, but I don't know that, you know, it's not like every team would expand to 40. Uh, you know, I understand the reasons behind it and, uh, you know, but, uh, I wouldn't mind there being a little bit more fluidity in, in terms of how many guys they could bring up. You know, it's funny. I was, uh, just trying to think back to last year to remember how many, prospects did get called up and how many did make an impact and um, when I say trying to remember that means of course googling Um, and I I pulled up Jonathan your story from last year uh, which ended up being uh, having the headline of 2020 the year of the prospect and uh, you know you you said um, that since last season it started teams have been getting even younger Large number of prospects have been hitting the big leagues this year, including many elite level players. Uh, Lewis Robert, um, top 100 call ups like Joey Bart, Sixto Sanchez, Jesus Sanchez, and then looked at a breakdown from uh, across the past four years of how many top 30 prospects and top 100 prospects were in the big leagues as of August 20th. And so that's just about a year ago uh, from now. And there was a huge, huge influx last year. And of course it was such a weird year. Um, but you know, we went from having 32 top 30 prospects and 10 top 100 in 2017, then 29 and three in 2018, 36 and five in 2019. And then last year was 79 and 23. (laughs) So more top 100 prospects last year, um, at, at the August 20th point than there had been in the three previous years combined. So looking at this year, uh, like I said, you guys have done a story looking at one player per team who could get called up and make an impact this year. Um, My first question for you guys is, which of the players on that list do you actually expect? I know, you know, for some of them, it was kind of a stretch. We're trying to come up with one for every team, but... Who do you really expect out of that list to come up and really make an impact? Jim, you want to go first? Sure. I mean, there's a few. I mean, uh, you know, we, we kind of broke it up by our teams. And I think we're going to talk about guys we didn't necessarily write. But, I mean, <laughs> one of mine was pretty easy because he already has had an impact, although they keep using roster, you know, and it's it's legal, I guess, with the way you can manipulate rosters. But Luis Hill, the Yankees, the Yankees have a, an injury and COVID-riddled rotation right now. And Heal has been up twice uh, for a day at a time, has yet to give up a run in 11 innings, struck out 14 guys. He's a guy who's, who's mid-90s with his fastball up to 100, mid-80s with his slider. You know, his strikes can come and go at times, but they but they haven't against the Orioles and Mariners so far. So he's currently back in the minors. I think he's going to be back up this weekend. But but Luis Heal is one guy who has already had a, a slight impact. And I would think – 
if he keeps pitching, well, <laughs> if he never gives up a run, I will go out on the limb and say, yes, he will remain in the Yankees rotation for the rest <laughs> of the year. But I, I think he's talented enough and, and they need him. So, so he was the guy who comes to mind more than anybody for me. If I'm going to pick one guy, there are a couple, but you know, I think AJ Puck has a chance to have as much of an impact as anybody. And, and frankly, like if, if, if he had been able to stay healthy, he would have graduated long ago. Uh, but you know, a whole variety of injuries, you know, moved him from rotation to bullpen. The command issues led to to that move. And he, you know, when he has been in the big leagues, um, he's been good. You know, in 2019, he 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 actually pitched pretty well out of the bullpen for the for the A's. And this year, he was up early, and then you know, more injuries and. If you look at his his overall numbers, they're kind of ugly uh, in the in the minors. He's got like a six ERA in in, in Vegas, which is not a, a pleasant place to pitch. But in in July and August, he's been really good. And I, you know, I think he's the kind of bullpen arm that could provide a, a very large lift, not just as like a lefty specialist, because his his stuff is still really really good. But you know, he's been throwing a lot more strikes. He's still missing bats. So I like I, I could see him coming up and and maybe even working his way into some high leverage innings uh, if it's needed, uh, you know, down down the stretch for for the A's and and maybe even you know if he if he's hot at the right time, land could you know find himself on the on the postseason roster. Yeah, yeah. I think there's lots of pitching options. You know, when you when you look at these guys, you know, I think Ryan Pepio with the Dodgers is a guy who was a third round pick a couple of years ago. They, uh, they seem to have an endless supply of arms whenever they need one. And, and they're having rotation issues. He's having a really good year in the upper minors. He's got a great changeup. He's got a mid nineties fastball. You know, we, we got a sneak preview with the Brewers. Aaron Ashby struggled in one start against the Cubs, but he's just got nasty, nasty breaking stuff and a pretty good fastball. And I can see him be a multi-inning reliever for the, for the Brewers, another multi-inning lefty out, out of the bullpen. You know, Hunter Brown is kind of a sleeper arm in the Astros system that I don't think a lot of people know about. And he got off to a, a bad start this year, kind of like Puck. So his numbers aren't as pretty as they might be, but he's got his ERA under four now. He, he's averaging almost a strikeout and a half per inning. And he's a mid-90s guy with a pair of power-breaking balls. And it wouldn't shock me if we saw him in, in some kind of maybe, you know, if the Astros needed a starter or a multi-inning reliever. Um, role. You know, it just seems like nobody ever has enough pitching, and, and there's a number of pitching prospects we could see come up. I do have a couple of bats, um, and both of whom have been in the big leagues before. Uh, one is Vidal Brujan, uh, the Rays, and he was up earlier this year. Didn't you know, do a whole heck of a lot, uh, but has been uh, hitting a ton back in AAA, and I think he brings a few things to the table. If if the rosters were beyond 28, this would be a no-brainer because he's the kind of guy that you could, you know, have as a pinch run, pinch run, or, or put him in, you know, late in games in a number of positions. He can play kind of anywhere. He's played second, he's played short, he's play, he plays the outfield, and he's even played a couple games at third. Uh, although I think they pulled the plug on that experiment pretty early because uh, he wasn't super comfortable there. So I don't know that they would want, you know, want him to play too much third base at the big league level, but you know. Can really really run, uh, you know. So the 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 offensive upside and the speed and the defensive flexibility, I think uh, you're, you're kind of getting several players in one, uh, and he's already been up. Uh, so I think he's one with the with the Rays down the stretch. And then Jose Barrero, 
course, was forced into big league action last year, kind of out of necessity. And he wasn't ready offensively, defensively. He was more than ready and he could play shortstop every day in the big leagues, you know, from opening day if they had wanted him to. But he, um, but, you know, the bat has really caught up this year. He's been hitting extremely well. He had a huge July. The power started to show up, which a lot of people thought was going to come eventually. I think you could make an argument that if the Reds brought him up now, he should play shortstop. And then they maybe, you know, maybe you move Kyle Farmer around a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously Farmer belongs in the lineup every day, but there's no question that defensively they're a better team with Jose Barrero at short. So it'll be interesting to see. He has not been called up this year. And, uh, you know, for him to get called up, uh, you know, I would I would play him uh, or at least some of the time and uh, improve them defensively and uh, and then move Farmer to some some other spots and and see what happens there. And if he continues to hit, then it's a no brainer. And I'll throw in one more position player name, Jonathan. Tristan Casas, you know, who was over just coming back from the Olympics, homered three times in six games for Team USA. I, you know, I know the Red Sox traded for Kyle Schwarber, but he had a setback in his injury rehab, and he's never played first base before. Um, and, you know, Casas is healthier. He's definitely going to be a much better defender, and he also has the ability to hit for power and average. So maybe the Red Sox, who are scuffling right now, turn to Tristan Casas for a spark. You know, maybe not right away but as he gets reacclimated coming back from the olympics you know, maybe we see him down the stretch as well that'd be an interesting one because that'd be straight from double a right correct although i, I think they may send him to triple a when he gets back we'll see that makes sense yeah that, that that one also kind of uh opened my eyes because it just feels like we haven't seen it just feels like we've seen so little of casas like you know 2018 pick uh, didn't he in- injured himself in like his first, first or second, second game, game playing yeah. third base? He dove for a ball and messed up his thumb. Yeah. yeah. So one, you know, one season in 2019, of course, last year was wiped out. And now, you know, he's, he's played 46 games this year. And he's also been, you know, away from uh, his minor league team playing internationally. So, um, yeah, just see, it seems like we've seen so little of him. And yet here we are talking about him potentially uh, being called up this year. Another group of guys that we can talk about in terms of potential impact call-ups, guys who uh, were traded recently and are with new teams and could either get a look for teams that are out of the running or perhaps not even out of the running. We have four players on our list uh, from our 30-team story that we did. Joe Ryan, uh, now with the Twins, traded from... The Rays, Kira Ruiz, went from the Dodgers to the Nats. Greg Dykeman, uh, who went to the Cubs and is actually, I believe, the only player in that story who has been called up already. And then Tucupita Marcano uh, with the Pirates. You guys think we'll see all four of these guys? I'll say yes. I th- yeah, I, th- I think that's a good yes. The, the one guy I'm not sure of would be, I guess, Ryan. I mean, he's the one guy of this of that quartet who have not been in the big leagues at all and he's coming back from the olympics uh he hasn't played for his new organization so i, I could see maybe like he'd be the one who, who wouldn't who wouldn't get called up but i i would imagine that uh the the rest of them should i mean i, I just think with ruiz too i mean he's been up so there, i mean i guess there are still our service time considerations but if i'm the nationals i would think that the ruiz is gonna be my starting catcher next year at the latest 
So I probably want him to come up and start getting acclimated with some of the pitchers, see what he can do, get used to DC. You know, even if you don't call him up, well, you know, the one thing I forgot that's different this year, although I, th- I still think we'll see these guys, is the minor league season's not going to end, you know, the first week of September because it started late. So the minor league season kind of runs concurrently with the with the major league season all the way to the end. But I, I still would think we'll see these guys. But I, I think your point about Joe Ryan's a good one too. With, with pitchers, it's a little trickier. How many innings did he pitch last year? I know teams, you know, measured, you know, wasn't game innings, but all site innings and, you know, reps and bullpens. Like, like there may be an actual amount of a limit to how many innings the twins want Joe Ryan to accumulate this year. All right. So again, we have a story up on MLB.com slash pipeline, looking at one player on each in each organization who could be a potential impact call up this year. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to look at the newest additions to our top 100 prospects list. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, I'm Jason Ratliff, and now we're going to talk about Anthony Volpe and Jordan Walker. Those are the two most recent additions to the top 100 prospects list. They joined the list by virtue of a couple of top five overall prospects graduating over the past week, Wander Franco and Jared Kelnick. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit as well. But first, guys, um, let's start with Anthony Volpe. So we have, first of all, we have a couple of former first rounders, Volpe, a 2019 uh, number 30 overall pick, and Jordan Walker in 2020 was the Cardinals' 21st overall pick. We've got a couple of infielders, Volpe, uh, shortstop in the Yankees organization, Jordan Walker, third baseman in the Cardinals organization. Starting with Volpe, um, very nice year. Uh, another guy who we haven't seen very much, uh, you know, played 34 games in his debut. Of course, did not see him last year. And then this year, uh, between two teams, has slashed 307, 439, 613, uh, 17 home runs in 76 games. And I'm going to guess, Jim, that that power has, has, uh, that he's exhibited that power sooner or more than, than expected? I'd say both. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I, I actually did see Anthony Volpe last year, like in my, in my, my brief spring training trip before the, the, the pandemic locked everything down. I interviewed Anthony Volpe in the break room at the Yankees minor league complex. I think it was my, my first day in Florida, but um, you know, when he was drafted, you know, first round pick, Obviously, you know, highly regarded to go in the first round. But, like, I, I know, Jonathan, you and I, I mean, I think we'll admit, I didn't think he was a lock first-round type. He was kind of that bat-to-ball skills, high baseball IQ, you know, not big power projection, solid but not plus runner with good instincts, 
uh, you know, good instincts in the field as well, but kind of an average arm. So it wasn't even a Lockheed State shortstop. And, you know, in his pro debut, you know, he didn't put up huge numbers, you know, in his defense, you know, the Yankees were a little bit aggressive with him. They sent him to the Appy League. They didn't send him to a complex league right off the right off the start. And, and now I'm realizing that the Appy League is no longer existing, but like <laughs> an advanced rookie league instead of a complex based rookie league. And he, he was coming off mononucleosis. So he, he only played 34 games and he wasn't, you know, at his strongest. And and then, you know, they didn't have instructional league last year. So. Volpe was just kind of on his own for development for most of 2020. And, you know, he's obviously no longer dealing with mono, but he's gotten a lot stronger. And I I don't think it's that he's got, you know, massive raw power, even though he's slugging 613. I think he's a guy who gets every bit out of his raw power because he barrels the ball so consistently. He's been challenging for the minor league lead in walks this year. He's been challenging for the minor league lead in extra base hits. And, and I'll just say that, that one, if this is the real Anthony Volpe, he's already a lot better player than I thought he was going to be. I, I, th- I saw him as more of that solid, regular floor over ceiling type. And two, um, I, I guess we need to go scout the, the Del Barton School in Morristown, New Jersey, because <laughs> both Volpe and his teammate Jack Leiter were, you know, Jack Leiter would have gotten first round money if he was signable out of high school. And as good as those guys were in high school and as highly regarded as they were, they're both a lot better just a couple of years later. So I, I don't know who the next kid coming out of the Del Barton school is, but I'm, I'm all in on him and we'll just put that guy in the top 100 as soon as we figure out who it is. Uh, because <laughs> my hat's off to Anthony Volpe for, for, for really having a great year. I mean, and Jonathan, is that, I mean, yeah, no, I, th- I think that was kind of our that, characterization, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, he was the kind of guy and I, you know, I saw them, I saw Del Barton in, in, uh, in the NHSI, because uh, of lighter and and Volpe, and he's the kind of guy that I always got the sense like, well, the more you see him, the more you'll like him because he he does a lot of the little things. But it wasn't like wow, like tools jump off the page. This guy looks like a first rounder, and and even when he went in the first round, it was okay. Like uh, you know, I don't know if there were many teams were on him as much as the Yankees, and you know, to their credit, you know, he's. Uh, he he has been better than we would have thought, and I think you know that that sort of baseball rat kind of mentality helped him during that that off time when he was kind of on his own, where he clearly just worked on getting a lot stronger, and it's uh, and it's paid off. Um, Jordan Walker is the other guy that you mentioned just joining the the top one hundred. Jason, I'm sure, I'm sure you want to jump in because you know Cardinals, but. Uh, uh, another guy who, like, we didn't think was a slam dunk first rounder, uh, you know, when he went last year to to the Cardinals, he went twenty first overall, and I and I think you know been a couple things. One, he's you know he's already earned a promotion, um, so you know which is impressive for for a high schooler, and this is a guy who had you know tons of raw power. He's you know six five two twenty. Uh, but with that power, there was, you know, some concerns about the length in his swing. Um, you know, shown some had showed some abilities as an amateur at making adjustments, but I think there was a little concern. Well, you know, he's going to have to work on recognizing spin and things like that. And against pro pitching, how's that going to work? And so far, it's worked really well. I mean, I think he's 
largely done well in terms of sort of minimizing the the strikeout rate. It's jumped a little bit with the move up to to high A, but that's to be expected. And he's holding his own there. I think he's going to continue to make adjustments. And you know the it, it's been kind of more extra base power than home run power. He's got eight, um, but you know he's he's an impressive guy. He's going to be able to stay at third, uh, even even with his size, uh, just because he is pretty athletic. Uh, so a very, very strong debut, you know, out of, out of the gate for, for a high schooler who, you know, we sort of had ranked more as a kind of comp round pick. Um, and, and, you know, the Cardinals nabbed him at, at 21. So I think he's another guy um, who has outperformed what our early expectations were for him coming out of the draft. Yeah, both of these guys uh... – Coming into the season, not even in the top five of their own team top 30 list, Walker was number seven on the Cardinals list, and Volpe was number nine on the – actually number 11, I believe, on the Yankees list. Uh, kind of different different types of players here, right, in that you, know, you look at Volpe and Jim, you mentioned that you know there was no one tool that really wowed you. You look at his grades across the board, and they're just 50-55 – Whereas Walker does have that that one big tool that, you know, I, I would assume that the reason that you guys had him ranked where you did both in the draft prospect rankings and on the Cardinals list is just that question of whether he was going to whether that one tool, whether that power tool, whether he'd be able to uh, use that power enough. And it seems like you know, with only a, a 45 hit tool uh, that thus far he's he's been able to hit. Uh, more than was expected. Yeah, I mean, so far so good. And I, I think again, you know, we'll see when we when we update these lists. You, you'll see a lot of volatility and guys moving around. You know, you know, Walker didn't get a chance to make his debut last year and show some of that. And, and Volpe, maybe Volpe would have done some of this last year. Um, you know, had he gotten the opportunity to play. And it's just, it's, it's just, it still feels weird coming off a year where there were no minor league games and so many guys didn't get a chance to show what they could do. I mean, I haven't tried. I know we've had a lot of turnover in the top 100 just from graduations thus far this year. And it seems like the vast majority of players we have added to the top 100 have been draftees from 2019 and 2020 who barely had a chance to play. You know, they weren't super high picks, the type of, you know, the Adley Rutschmans that you're going to throw on the list right away or the Bobby Witt Juniors, but, you know, guys who were, you know, first-round picks or even second-round picks in some cases and, and didn't get a chance to show what they could do really until this year. Yeah, the uh, the most recent addition prior to Volpe and Walker fits that Bill and Bryson stat. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, another one and – you know, it's just, you know, and there's some international guys too who, who barely got a chance to play. So it's just, it's, it's, you know, I, I think we're getting back hopefully to, to more normal, but, you know, we're going to, looks like we'll get a full minor league season in next year, this year, and then next year will be more business as usual. But it, it's just been a strange two years in, in prospect ranking. I think it's been interesting. I mean, we're looking at, all, you know, all of our team lists. And, you know, so these are the guys who have stepped up and performed well this year. <laughs> there are a lot of guys who, you know, and, you know, I feel like we've talked a lot you know, on this podcast about guys who took that time in 2020 and you know, we didn't see them, you know, especially if they weren't, you know, at the alternate site or, or did something at Instructs, we wouldn't have even necessarily heard anything about them. 
who took a huge step forward uh, in adding strength and developing new pitch, whatever it is. But, you know, there are guys and it may not be because they, you know, sat around eating Doritos all, all of 2020, but, you know, they, that have not taken a step forward and have struggled, you know, as we're looking through these team lists, you know, and we're sort of, we, we send our lists to each other for feedback. There, there are teams where you look at it and it's like, boy, there are a bunch of guys on this team in the top 30 who have not performed at all. So I, I am hoping that, you know, like you said, Jim, that after this, you know, sort of full season that uh, we knew there was going to be a lot of volatility in, in re-ranking all of the lists now just because of the lack of information and the lack of performance that it will, uh, you know, I guess regress to the mean, to, uh, at least to an extent, uh, coming up in 2022. And now the the two guys whose places that Volpe and Walker uh, to, well, they didn't take their places, but they moved into the list because these two players graduated. Kelnick and, and Wander Franco, obviously, everybody who's listening to this podcast knows who those guys are. And, you know, it, it seems like <laughs> it kind of seems like they've been in our world for a while. But then you look and like Kelnick, you know, played was only on our lists in 2019 and 20. He was drafted in 2018 and 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 Wander made his debut on the Rays top 30 list. Uh, stumbled upon this fact when we were uh, looking at the fact that he was going to graduate, but he, he debuted on the Rays list in 2018 on his 17th birthday. Uh, it just kind of makes you realize how quickly these guys did make it, how young they are. And despite their early struggles, these guys are so far ahead of the game and I can't help but think back to, you know, a, a great example of this and and Vlad Jr. when he came up and, you know, he didn't he didn't have the struggles that uh, certainly that Kelnick had in his first time up, but didn't uh, put up the numbers that people expected him to. People had such outrageous expectations right off the bat for him. But uh, I think that th- that has to shine a positive light on these guys and you have to remember just how young they are and, and where they are at this age it's crazy i mean you know if you if you told me that jared kelnick the high schooler from wisconsin from the 2018 draft would have graduated off of lists by now like we knew he was good i mean he went number six overall i mean he was you know talented player we ranked him highly we knew he could hit but no i mean there's no way you know, I, I thought in a million years that he'd be, you know, I don't even know if I would have thought he would have been in the big leagues by now, um, let alone graduated off. And yeah, and I think you're right, though. I think that these guys are going to figure it out. Uh, I'm really not concerned about either one of them. But yeah, I mean, Kelnick just turned 22 a month ago and Franco's 20 and, you know, is, I you know. I don't know what you would call what he'd been doing, but like he's kind of righted the ship and I think he's kind of holding his own now. And the, you know, the overall numbers are still not great, but you know, he, he's making contributions and I get the sense that he's kind of getting his feet under him now. Yeah. I mean, Franco has been, you know, it's, he reminds me a lot of Vlad who, you know, we've compared him to Vlad throughout their careers because they kind of took the same path until the, the pandemic got in the way. But I mean, he's basically been a league average offensive player at shortstop at age 20 as the youngest player in the major leagues this season. And yeah, he's not, you know, if you have him on your fantasy team, you know, Wander Franco is probably not, you know, carrying your, your, your team to victory right now. 
but he's been fine. And, and, you know, Kelnick, you know, Kelnick's played better the first week of August. He's still, he's been better since he's been back up. He's still striking out more than I would have thought, but he's, he's still the ninth youngest player in the big leagues. And I think like he might be, he and Fra- Franco might be the youngest everyday position players in, in the big leagues. Cause there's guys in between them who, who aren't playing a lot or, or are pitchers. I think they're both going to be fine. And again, I mean, you know, we, we alluded to this, but I mean, everybody was disappointed that, that, that Vlad jr. Didn't come up and, and just destroy all of mankind immediately. Well, Vlad's now 22 and he might be the best hitter in baseball this year. Um, so I think these guys are both going to be stars. And I think we just sometimes forget, you know, baseball's hard, you know, especially when you're 20 years old and they're 21 and to get there at that age is, is a tremendous accomplishment and, and usually bodes well for your future. So with Wander graduating uh, and vacating the throne of the number one prospect in baseball, uh, that left the path open for the number two prospect. Hey, Jason, at- I have breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. AJ Puck has just been recalled to Oakland. So there we go. So Jonathan Mayo, very you, you get the award. If I could hand out some nectar, uh, if there's one for prescience, <laughs> tremendous call, Jonathan. You, uh, well, I don't I think thought, you knew that was in the works, I but did, you foresaw that perfectly. So I, I, did, job I, I, I did not, but you know, I had to catch up since you had Greg Dykeman on, on your story and he got called up. So, well, there you go. But that was even the score. You're talking about there. impact to contenders. So anyway, I'm yep. sorry to interrupt, but that breaking news, no, I no. wanted to get out there. So we're so. we're two we're two for thirty now. We'll we'll keep track and see how many of these guys from our thirty team story end up in the big leagues this year. Um, so yeah, we we were talking about the fact that Wander graduated, uh, number one prospect in baseball, and the way that this works is we, we're currently working on re-ranking all of the lists. Um, but for the time being, when a player graduates. Everybody moves up a spot, which means Adley Rutschman, the number two overall prospect on the list, becomes baseball's number one prospect. Now, for, for our purposes, for archival purposes, um, if we were to go back and, and look and you know look at our list of all-time number one overall prospects, Rutschman wouldn't be listed as the number one overall prospect because he moved into the top spot in the middle of the season. Um, but if you're, if he were at the number one spot for the mid season re-rank, he would be recognized as such. But in, in this case, you know, I don't think, I don't think we have to feel bad about the fact that <clears throat> he's moving into the number one spot. It's not like, oh man, we're having to move him up, move him up and he's had a terrible year and this is going to look bad. Like, you know, he's got 18 home runs in 80 games, uh, slugging 508. And has been, I think, every bit what we've expected him to be. Absolutely. And just got bumped up to AAA. So, uh, you know, he's walked almost as much as he struck out. So, th- yeah, this is not one of those, like, oh, man, I wish we could have waited until the re-rank because he wouldn't be the, you know, or he's going to be the number one guy for, you know, a week. Uh, like, I don't I don't think we're really giving much away. Like, the, the, we feel good about him ascending into this spot for sure. He might stay there for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, not too long. All right. When we come back, we're going to take a look at some more prospects who could be joining the top 100 prospects list when we re-rank next week. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. We are very, very close to revealing all of the re-ranked lists for 2021, the top 100 prospects list, all 30 team top 30 prospect lists, and all of the top 10 by position lists will all be re-ranked. And of course, a big part of that is the influx of 2021 draftees. Uh, which, if you're wondering why the lists are coming out a little later than they have in the past, it's basically due to the fact that the calendar now is such that w- the draft is, is later. We have to wait for the signing deadline to make sure these guys get signed. Um, and then once they do, then Jim, Jonathan, Sam Dykstra, William Bohr all start uh, talking to all of their various contacts with the various teams as to where these new draftees fit in their lists and guys who have uh, either performed well enough to move up onto the list or have dropped out of the list. ton of work to be done uh, after the draft. So that's what's going on now. And so I know, uh, Jim and Jonathan, you guys have not finalized that top 100 list, but you got a pretty good idea at this point. Um, so let's talk about some guys that we could be uh, seeing join the top 100 prospects list. And I guess there are a, a couple different categories. We've got draftees who are going to be moving in. And this happens every year. And Jim, what what is it generally uh, around 10 to 12? Does that does that sound right? It does. That sounds right. I mean, I know. I think on the working version we have now that we're we're, we're get soliciting feedback on, we have 10 guys on it as well as three. If we went 110 deep, which we're not, we would have three more guys. So I, I think it'll be about 10. I mean, and that feels about right. I, I don't feel like people thought that this was the greatest draft in the world or had, you know, an Adley Rutschman or Spencer Torkelson type of guy. Although, you know, John, I mean, it's weird. I, I still look at this and I still, I mean, I think, I think the list is good that we have working right now, Jonathan, but like we have right now on our rough list, we have five draftees in the top 28 overall of baseball, which seems high to me, including three in the top 15. But at the same time, you know, in general, Jonathan, we were doing this, when we were doing our rough list and we were working with Sam Dykstra to put them together I know after, you know, the first six, seven, eight prospects in baseball were pretty easy for me. And then I was like, wow, all these guys feel higher than I would normally rank them just because I guess we've had a lot of graduations this year. Yeah, it's weird because I think one thing that I've tried, you know, the last couple of years is I do feel um, and I think it's natural. You and I spend so much time working on the draft that I feel that sometimes I like include more draftees than should. And as you point out, this draft class was good, but it's not great. So I think my first inclination was like, well, there won't be as many. But I think because there were so many graduations 
uh, there's more room to, to add guys, which is why we ended up with, you know, what we're probably going to end up with, which is, you know, in that general 10 to 10 to 12 range. Yeah. That, that many up high does sound surprising, but I do think it's because, you know, the, the combination of guys who graduated and then some guys that we, uh, probably had ranked a little too high going back again to the, the, the idea that there was going to be some volatility, um, you know, when we did our preseason ranking, we weren't basing it off of a season of information to to deal with. So, uh, you know, that made it a little trickier. And I think, you know, where we move guys around up and down and, and, and the addition of new guys is a little bit more representational. Yeah, Jim, when you said what, five in the top 28, is that what it is? Five draftees yeah. in the top 28? That, that really struck me as, as being a lot, especially because I'd been looking back at where the number one overall pick and also our number one ranked draft prospect have debuted in the top 100 prospects list. And when you when you look back and see that, uh, you know, the number one draft prospect in 2012 was Byron Buxton. He debuted at 30. Mark Appel in 2013, he debuted at 29. Uh, Jason Groom in, in 2016 was the number one overall draft prospect on our list. He debuted at 42. Mickey Moniak ended up going number one. He debuted at 34. The next year, Royce Lewis debuted at 31. He was the number one overall pick. The number one prospect on our list was Hunter Green. He debuted at 21. And then the next year, Casey Mize, uh, number one pick and ranked prospect, uh, debuted at 20. So just looking at that, you know, that's the num- that's the number one guy debuting uh, at those rankings, and we're talking about five guys within within the top twenty eight. But then I look back at last year, <laughs> and actually we we're not too far off in terms of the number of new draftees in that top sort of thirty range. Last year, Torkelson at four. Austin Martin, 16, Asa Lacey, 26, Emerson Hancock, 30, Nick Gonzalez and Max Meyer, 32 and 33. Is that is that maybe a trend that we're seeing that more these college play a lot? You know, these are almost entirely college players we're, we're talking about here, that they're just ready to go and ready to, to make an impact sooner than they were before. Or is there something else at play here? I don't know. Well, three of the five guys that we have ranked in the top 28 were high school guys this year. Um, you know, I think it's just you know, some of those guys you mentioned from earlier years were not, you know, classic generational draft prospects, you know, like like a Rutschman and a, and a Torkelson were. I mean, I do think, well, I wouldn't necessarily put the top guys in this year's draft in that category. You know, we're talking about players like our top ranked prospect was Marcella Meyer who we, you know, the consensus among the people we talked to was he's the best hitter in the draft and the best defender in the draft. And he's a shortstop with, with 25 homer power. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty special player. You know, Jack Leiter, probably the best college pitching prospect. I, I, I would take Jack Leiter over Casey Mize. I think Jonathan, um, thinking about recent memories, uh, you know, there were, there were fewer health questions. I could um, see that. Sure. Um, you know, but I mean, it, it's close, you know, and Jordan Lawler, who is our, th- our third ranked draft prospect, uh, you know, I think you can argue has a higher ceiling than Marcella Meyer. So I, I, I think it's a combination of 
of the talent in an individual year. And I just think, again, this is a more volatile top 100 than normal. I, I was looking, we've, and I have no idea, I haven't done the research. We have 25 new guys on the top 100 since the start of the season, um, which seems very high to me, just, just in terms of guys graduating off the list. Um, and like I said, I mean, you look at our, our current list, and I think the top of the list holds up pretty well, except the one thing that's kind of shaky that jumps out is it's not been a good year for pitching prospects. Mackenzie Gore started to regress last year and has regressed this year. Nate Pearson has had some injury issues. Sixto Sanchez won't even pitch this year. Matt Manning's had an up and down year. So like, you know, you know, I hadn't looked at this Jonathan, but we only have two pitchers in our, in our, our working list right now, two pitchers in our top 25 prospects in baseball right now. Hmm. Yeah, I also I think to to your question, Jason, like I, I would not want to call anything a trend just because of this last year or year and a half, two years, whatever has been so unusual because of the pandemic that uh, you know you know having guys that high, like I I don't know if that's a trend or not. You know, last year you could make the argument, well. We, you know, we, the other guys were standing still and these draftees, we, you know, you know, had some information based on where they were drafted and things like that. But, you know, I went and looked, you know, so in 2019, we had three draftees in the top 23 and four in the top 32, the, the, the top four picks. So, you know, it does go back a couple of years to, to then, but I would want to wait and see and sort of see what happens from, from now. Uh, as we sort of are back to more normal, both in terms of an amateur season and a minor league season to counterbalance what, you know, may have been thrown askew based on the unusual circumstances of the last couple of seasons. Okay. So we're right now we're talking about 2021 draftees and where they'll debut on the top 100 prospects list. Let's talk about the number one overall pick, Henry Davis. And we've talked about this a little, uh, the three of us, uh, earlier, but is is he going to potentially be the lowest ranked number one draft pick since we've since we've started these rankings back in in two thousand three? It doesn't sound like it based on some of the other numbers yeah, you've given us. I don't think he will be. He'll I mean, be. Some, you know, he's some, not, of, some of those numbers were number one ranked draft picks versus right. number one picks, but the lowest number one overall draft pick uh, was Carlos Correa debuted at 38 back in 2012. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that uh, Carlos will hold on to that distinction. Um, yeah. Given where, where we have him now and we're just getting feedback. So, you know, that could change, but I don't think it's going to change that drastically. Um, I mean, it looks like he's going to be in the middle of the twenties. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're not so, trying to be coy because it's this is none of this stuff's locked in concrete, but it looks like he'll be in the mid twenties is where he'll shake out. All right, and then one other player who I assume will be ranked higher than kind of relative to where he was picked is Watson. Is that safe to say? Yes, because we we had him ranked as the fourth best player in the draft, and he went sixteenth. So he he would be your fifth highest rated draft pick in the top 100 in all likelihood. All right. So now let's talk about some non draftees who 
you think we'll probably see on this list who are not currently on there? Well, the highest guy we think, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I pause because I'm like, well, how much do we want to give away? There are a bunch of guys who are going to be making debuts that, uh, you know, I think are, are exciting. And, you know, we have a, a set of five and two of them are catchers. It was one of the things actually that stood out to me, Jim, when we were going through the top 100. I was like, boy, there are a lot of good catchers. And I, like, I thought our catching list was pretty deep to begin with, and now we're adding a bunch. Um, the high, the you know, the biggest leaper will likely be uh, Diego Cartaya of the Dodgers. I know that's your team, Jim, so I don't know if you want to sort of talk about him, but you know, we could also just talk in in general. Um, you know, both uh, Cartaya and MJ Melendez of the Royals are are two catchers who are likely to make debuts uh, on this top 100. Uh, both having you know very big years. Cartaya. I think has a chance when all said and done to be behind Adley Rutschman, eventually be the next best catching prospect in baseball. Yeah. And MJ Melendez is a hard one to figure out too, Jonathan, because, you know, I mean, this was a guy who was a second round pick out of high school. I think the profile was good defender with some power potential. He was okay. His first couple of years in pro ball showed some pop and then he was terrible. I mean, there's another way to put it. He was awful in 2019. Yeah. He hit 163. When you have more strikeouts than your batting average, that's a bad year. He had 165 strikeouts. He struck out at almost a 40% clip in high A and hit 163. And so, okay, you know, pandemic year, you know, we'll move him up to double A this year. And his ops is 999. He's got 28 homers. He's battling for the minor league home run lead. His strikeout rate is down to right around a little bit over 20%. He's almost cut in half. Um, and he's continuing to play great defense. So, like, you know, and then that I, I felt like again, I, I felt like this was a difficult year to kind of rank guys or figure out because it's like, okay, which is the you know, I, I, like I don't know that I believe that he's quite this good because if we what if we thought he this was he's definitely a thousand ops guy, he'd be even higher than he's going to be on the list. But he's definitely not the same guy who was. I mean, I don't know, Jonathan. If we'd done a top five hundred. In 2019, I don't know if he would have made the top 500 after that year. Right. So um, it just it, it's it's been a weird year. And three other names just to throw out that that are that are going to jump up the list pretty good after not being on it currently: Arelvis Martinez with Blue Jays, uh, Cole Wynn with the Rangers, and, and Ryan Pepio as second Dodgers as the Dodgers just continue to produce talent. So and and, and again, don't hold us to this. You know, if you compare this podcast to the actual top 100. It's possible things could change slightly, but as of now, those look like the highest, uh, the highest debuts on the new list. Guys, as you were uh, as, as you were discussing uh, new entries to the list, guys, uh, non-draft prospects. I was thinking back to the fact, Jim, that you said that, and, and again, this is not set in stone. You're still working on this, but your working list has only two pitchers in the top 25, which really stood out to me. And I did a quick look back to see just how unusual that would be. And just going back through the past six lists in the top 25, we've had eight, nine, 10, eight, eight, and 11 pitchers. So that would be a, uh, a giant plummet from, from those numbers. That's uh, very interesting. 
Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we, you know, I'm, I'm just eyeballing the list here, and you know, the next like 20 guys after that, we have 11 pitchers. I guess in 26 to 45. But like I was saying before, it's it just it's tough if you're looking at pitchers. Most of the guys who are highly ranked pitchers coming into the year have not had very good seasons. Some of them had poor seasons. Some of them been hurt. I mean, I think the one exception to that rule is Grayson Rodriguez. Um, and <laughs> you can read into that, that he's probably going to be the highest ranked pitcher when we do the top 100. Um, but yeah, it's just been a weird, you know, and again, you know, how much of that is, you know, coming off the pandemic, it's tough. How much of this is, you know, the guys, you know, maybe, their their path is different than we thought. It, it's just it, it's it's made for a very strange year for evaluating players. And this next group of players that we want to talk about, the highest risers who are already on the list. I don't think there's a pitcher in there either, is there? Nope. Nope. Five position players. I, I was noticing that as we were finishing up this. I'm like, well, well, let's part of the whole uh, the whole thing. You know, the theme, I guess, and uh, you know, three. Three shortstops, uh, Noel V. Marte of the Mariners, Jose Barrero uh, of the Reds, and Anthony Volpe uh, of the Yankees, uh, and Barrero and Volpe we've already talked about on this podcast, so they get uh, they get double duty. Um, but, you know, these are guys who've really stepped up and had huge years. I, you know, I'll speak about Marte. I do the Mariners list, and he was a guy that, you know, Mariners fans kept asking about, and he obviously was a you know a, a large uh, international signee, and people were wondering when he might break on the list, and you know he he made it onto the list this year, and he's just been, uh, you know, with sometimes with the, the the really young international signees, it can take a little bit longer, but he 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 performed right out of the gate, you know, even in his pro debut, and then coming to the states, and the, he he has just kept on uh, you know performing even though he's still, you know, exceptionally young. So I think he's kind of now making it to a spot on the list where he probably belongs in. This is a guy who doesn't turn 20 until October, and he's in full season ball and more than holding his own. I think that the only question is if he stays at short long term, but he's going to hit enough where it's not going to matter. You know, and the other two guys in that group who we haven't talked about, you know, one's Jaron Duran with the Red Sox, who we've seen like we've talked about a lot this year on the podcast. And, you know, you know, the story on him, as we've detailed before, is you could always run, you know, seventh round pick out of Long Beach State could really run, had a lot of success early in his pro career until he got to double A in the second half of 2019 and struggled. Obviously, no season last year. You kept hearing out of the, the, the reports out of the alternate site where, you know, he's made some swing changes. He's got a lot more power now. And you kind of like, I, I know, I think I was the low man on him in our, in our preseason top 100 rankings, Jonathan, because I was like, I'm, inter- I'm intrigued by him because a guy who can run like Jaron Duran at 70 or 80 speed, if he has power, you know, that would be interesting, but I'd like to see it, especially considering he struggled in double A, you know, he, he was good in winter ball. Um, and he came out and he hit in triple A and, he, and he's up in the big leagues. Um, so he's, he's proven that. And then, you know, Gabriel Moreno, you know, Jays seem to have an endless supply of, of Latin American catchers who can really hit. And he's, you know, he, he's missed some time this year, but he's also hitting 373 with an ops of almost 1100 and he can really, really hit. I think he can be, you know, probably an average, maybe a little bit better defender than that behind the plate. So that's that's a pretty interesting guy. And it looks like the two pitchers who have raised the most on the list, who are currently on the list, 
will be Shane Boz of the Rays and Cade Cavalli of the Nationals would be they're they're kind of like a little bit outside that that group of the five highest risers, but those would be the the two pitchers who've made the most significant moves who were already on the list to begin with. All right, and when we're talking about prospects who have made a leap or are going to make a leap into the top 100 prospects list, we had a couple people uh, when we sent out a request for mailbag questions who asked about Justin Foscu, um, and he fits right in here. Uh, one of those questions came from the Twitter handle at Cruise Missile. Obviously, second base only prospects have limited value compared to other positions, but Justin Foscue has hit at an absurd level for over a month. Is it reasonable to give him top 100 consideration? Yes. In a word, yes. Because <laughs> uh, I think just I, I, we, we, will, we will give you another sneak preview. Justin Foscue will be on the top 100. Um, we, were, we were a little, not all over the place. We had a little divergence of opinion on him more so than some other players. I mean, he's, he's slugging 742. He's played 35 games. I think, I think it'd be fair to say, Jonathan, I, I know I was the high man on him, which isn't surprising because I do the Rangers list. And, and I think we all tend right. to like the players we, we write about because we talk to people about them more often. And I think it's fair to say, had he been healthy all season, he's, he's battled a, a, a rib injury that, that cost him a decent amount of time. Had he been healthy all season and performed at close to this level, he'd rank even higher. So I, I think he, well, he will be on the list, but I also think he's got upward mobility because I think he's got a chance to hit for average, hit for power. You know, he's kind of average-ish defensively and, and, and arm-wise. You know, maybe, you know, they, they, I think the comp on him, and I'm not saying he's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer quite yet, but it's kind of a Jeff Kent comp. I, I think that's the style of player he is. Um, and it's it's interesting because I know I say this all the time. The Rangers list is very difficult to do because they have so much depth, but also it just seems like so few clear-cut answers when you're ranking guys. And I think I had Foscue, I want to say sixth or seventh on my preseason list for the Rangers. And I had people in the Rangers organization who told me that they thought he could be, maybe I had him fifth, but they thought he could be their best prospect by the end of the season, um, before the season, before he, he had this tremendous performance went on the field. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, the arrow is definitely pointing up with Justin Foskey. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree. And, and you're right in terms of like, we like the guys that, you know, not, it's not even liking the guys. We know more about the guys. And like, for me, I'm like, well, you know, I'm looking more from the outside and it's only been 35 games. Uh, you know, if he had performed at this level and been healthy all year, college guy, like chances are he probably would have been bumped up to double A. And that I think would have spoken a lot more. And we'll see next year. I think that's going to determine sort of how much upward mobility he has. But you know, if you compare, he's got what an eleven forty-seven ops right now, and you know, I do the Pirates list, and so the first guy that I thought of was Nick Gonzalez, who was also a second baseman, and was taken about seven picks earlier in the same draft, same level. He's got an eight forty-three ops. He's, he's doing fine. Not a you know, not entirely the the same profile. Gonzalez was you know a hit, uh, you know, more hit, less power, um, but. You know, I think there's some similarities there in the same draft class. I think it's interesting, like the the point that uh, that the questioner has also is like second baseman. It's tough. There's that automatic, like, oh, he's only a second baseman. 
You know, I think that's happened when we try to rank guys for the draft. Like, well, they're only they're they're already playing second. You know, it's not even like a guy who's a shortstop who's going to have to move off. At the end of the day, like if you're an okay second baseman and you hit, like th- those guys are really good players in the big leagues. And so, um, you know, maybe we have to look at our at our second base only bias as we continue ranking in the future. Well, we have really good draft this year for second baseman too. Uh, you know, last year, not saying he'd be a a top 100 guy yet, but you know, Nick York was a surprising first round pick as a second baseman. He's hit really well. And Jonathan, you, you, your prescience just showing again, because I will report sources say that Justin Foscue will head to double A this week. I think Perfect. just so he can show you what he can do at that level. But uh, so, so once again, you're just, I, you have any lottery numbers that you, you feel? Yeah, good? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go to Vegas right now. Yeah, Foscue, 15 home runs in 35 games. He had that crazy stretch where he homered in eight straight games, including a two-home run game, hit nine home runs over eight games. Uh, His most recent uh, couple of games for Hickory, uh, he homered in each of those. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, he's, he's had just an incredible start to the season. Sounds like he'll be getting bumped up. In terms of the second base, uh, dynamic that you were talking about. Uh, we have certainly had more second basemen on our top 100 prospects list over the past several years. Um, looking at 2004 through 2015, averaged only 1.25 second basemen uh, on those lists. Now, of course, from 2000. Uh, 2004 through 11, that was just a top 50 prospects list. But even after that, the first few years that it expanded, there was only one, two, three, and one. And then from 2016 on, uh, there there have been four second basemen on each top 100 prospects list, with the exception of 2019 when there were three. Uh, but certainly a higher percentage of, of second basemen on those lists. So it seems that, that that tide has shifted a bit. All right, thanks to at Cruise Missile for that Justin Foscue question, and thank you to everyone for listening. That's going to be a wrap for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.